Planet X Cinema is a pop-up movie theater showing righteous trash cinema. Each week on this show, the Hicks brothers meet to take suggestions for new movie titles from the Planet X faithful and turn them into brand new films. It's fake movies from the minds of madmen. Welcome to the Planet X Cinema Podcast. I am Drew Hicks. I am Blair Hicks. Blair. Are, we talking like, are we talking like that this week? We are talking in pregnant pauses. Okay. <laughs> Every, all kinds of halting speech. It's very strange. You know, it's, it's funny, though. Like, there are those conventions, right? Like, there's always that guy in the, in the movie that's like, I only talk in three words at a time. <laughs> <laughs> It is like there are there are cadence tropes. I've never right? thought of that, but there are cadence tropes. Like we've even uh, mentioned a few of them. One of my favorites is, uh, "Sir, you have to take a look at this." <laughs> I like that. No, but, it's good. Uh, no, something horrible happened to me last week, and I oh god, is problem, it is a problem that I think only fellow trashies will understand, which is. I was home alone, and my my beautiful wife was working late, as she often does, and I wanted to watch Jean-Claude Van Damme's Hard to Kill. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Steven Seagal's Hard to Kill. Yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Hard Target. Hard Target, yeah, which I also recently watched. Great, great. My oh. favorite JCVD fake name, Chance Boudreaux. <laughs> 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 terrible movie great movie great movie um no i wanted to watch hard to kill which is the one that has the line where he's like uh you can take that to the bank and steven seagal's like i'll take you to the bank the blood bank <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible but anyway so i was like i was like which one is it that has the blood bank line and i accidentally instead of renting hard to kill rented marked for death which is the one where he fights the Jamaican guy who ends up having a twin at the end and he cuts off. Oh God. Wow. That's a deep cut. I have not watched that in a long time. But this made me think about other films that like, so yeah, just so if you want to watch the one with the blood bank, that's hard to kill. Marked for death is the one where he fights the Jamaican guys, uh, which I actually showed at Planet X last year. Um, Anyway, it was terrible. I ended up watching all of marked for death again. Um, but it reminded me like there's there's another one that actually happened to me where I wanted to watch Double Team with Jean Claude Van Damme and I ended up running Double Impact with Jean Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> thought Double Team. Wait, <laughs> double Team is not the one with Dennis Rodman because no, Double Impact is the one. No, you're right. You're right. Double Impact. Is double. The one. Double. God, damn it, double just did it again. Team. See, this is what I'm double, talking about. But no, no, that one's easy because Double Team is a basketball pun. I okay sure and double impact is like a what like a of a, a menage a trois pun yeah I think it's porn terminology I really do I'm not anyway sure. yeah it's and that film by the way if you have not seen double team where he uh where Jean-Claude Damme teams up with Dennis Rodman it Dennis, is insane film <laughs> now I, it's been a while but Dennis Rodman is he a weapon salesman is he a weapons yeah, merchant I, in that film I believe he is right I think that's right he has like I mean, I watched it a couple of times because at the time, my friends and I, uh, big basketball nerds, were like, <laughs> Dennis Rodman's in a movie, you know? <laughs> and yeah. I, got, I got all my JCVD kicks out of it, too. It's kind of a win-win for me. Like, definitely not a great movie, but <laughs> if you're just watching for personalities, pretty hard to beat, right? It's wild, yeah. And, like, it, yeah, yeah. So, so Dennis Rodman plays, like, the good bad villain, right? Which frees up JCVD to play the good good villain, or the good good hero, which is where he likes to be. Um, but, yeah, it has all these great scenes where, like, he, he's going to jump out of an airplane, and Dennis Rodman's like, yeah, it's a flight suit. It'll totally catch you. And he's like, are you sure it will work? And he's like, yeah. And so he, like, shoves Dennis Rodman out the plane, jumps out after him. Like, <laughs> it's just stupid. It's like a two-hander that doesn't really work. I'm sure Rodman thought that he was making box office gold. That's crazy, man. That guy has an insane life. He's um, a very strange person. Yeah, so anyway, uh, Double Team and Hard to Kill, Not Marked for Death and Double Impact, although all four of those are great films. Um, and then I saw a absolutely crazy action movie that I think I want to show at Planet X. Oh, yeah? Is, what, uh, what, what did you see? Have you ever seen Ricochet from 1991? Uh, don't, it doesn't ring a bell. Okay, check out this casting. Denzel Washington. So I'll just go through it. Denzel Washington plays a cop who takes down John Lithgow, 
who is an insane murderer. He serves his time in prison and goes full Cape Fear and makes it his mission to destroy Denzel's Washington's life, who has now become the assistant district attorney. Denzel is assisted by his childhood friend, Ice-T, <laughs> who has become Are a drug sh- dealer. It You're is- shitting me. Yes, it's incredible. Kevin Pollock's in it. Liz- uh, Lindsay Wagner's in it. it is- oh, Kevin Pollock's in it? Sign me the fuck up. I am Kevin Pollock fan he number plays- one. Okay, so he plays uh, Denzel Washington's like buddy cop, and he just spends the whole movie like doing like, hey, check out my Shatner impression. And does like a, he's like, hey, I was watching Star Trek last night. Like, That's where he's, I'm, <laughs> I am not joking in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the early blogging platform du jour was at the time, sure. but I had a blog dedicated to Alan Arkin and Kevin Pollack. And it, it just had a picture of each of them and their names. And it's at the top, it said, they make forgettable movies memorable. And that's, <laughs> I, I swear to God, put either one of those guys in something and I will watch it. Yeah, you can talk shit about Kevin Pollack if you want, but put that guy in any role and it's like, okay, this scene just got a little better. Like, Oh, God. Dude, just to finish up Silver Bullet, check this out. Produced by Joel Silver of Predator. Silver, you said Ricochet. Silver Bullet is Gary Busey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fighting I'm sorry. werewolves. Yes, I'm sorry. So continuing with the cast and crew of Ricochet, Joel Silver of The Matrix and Lethal Weapon fame produced it, and Alan Silvestri did the soundtrack. Good Lord. They, there was some money in that movie. It's a, that, fuck, it's a fucking insane film. It is crazy. Like, that is wild. It gets weirdly like gruesome at the end <laughs> it is crazy. If, if that movie if that movie that you just described to me breaks weird then it almost has to be a planet x film if it's fun to watch do you understand what i'm saying yeah it's it's extremely fun to watch like because I would, I would, if it doesn't if it doesn't break weird it just sounds like a movie that didn't do well if it breaks weird okay and it's fun then then you go like we could have made that up okay so it takes a while to get into the second act of this film but the the super short version is and i do think we should show this in planet x denzel washington takes out john lithgow john lithgow goes to prison he is obsessed with killing denzel washington when he gets out of prison though he decides killing him isn't good enough and so he gaslights him he takes away his kids he takes away his family he takes away his job he like he stages a porno with denzel washington in it Whoa! Denzel Washington have sex with a prostitute and then like releases it and like is doing like some Home Alone two talk boy stuff with like stuff Denzel says. <laughs> and so, like everyone thinks Denzel Washington is insane and he's running around town like trying to find John Lithgow, who by the way everyone is a hundred a hundred percent convinced is dead. They already found his corpse, so everyone thinks Denzel is losing his mind. It's oh my great. god. Yeah, I can't well, recommend I, enough. If, if you're listening to this and you like the kind of films we talk about, please go watch Ricochet. You're gonna have a great time. Well, that's a great recommendation. That's fantastic. I'm gonna. I will probably watch it tonight. I will probably watch it when we get done doing our thing. It's on crazy the pod. good. It's crazy good. Yeah, yeah young young yeah. John Lithgow totally works. Denzel I love John John Lith young John Lithgow totally underrated. Like people forget that he did stuff like Buckaroo Banzai and stuff. And you're like, no, he that was guy's an insane person. He is a clearly insane person, and he's great in trash movies Fuck and yeah. he's in a lot of them he he's, he's the he's the villain in uh santa claus the movie which i've brought up a couple of times the dudley moore one like he yeah. is in weird shit so uh, I, I mean there's a reason they gave him the lead in third rock from the sun right where they're like just play an alien and he's like yeah, can do <laughs> not my favorite show but i tell you what you turn it on late at night lithgow gonna make you chuckle once let's go sales um, I was just thinking this week, stuff this podcast and Planet X in general mm-hmm. has taken what was already a garbage brain and set it on fire. It's a dumpster fire now because everywhere I look, I see things and all I see in things is like Planet X. You know, like in a Bugs Bunny cartoon where they're starving on the island and the other guy turns into a big turkey leg. <laughs> when I see anything now, it just turns into a bad movie. And I was, I was, I was playing the new um, uh, additions to the NES Classics Library on the mm. Switch and they added Blaster Master. Hell yeah. Which, yeah, anyone who knows NES like, loves this game, loves the music. And I was watching the prologue 
which is also famous among video game fans for being a very early, like, very cool prologue, mm-hmm. um, tacked on to the American version, because um, the Japanese plot is, of course, very um, tech-oriented and stuff. I was sure. playing it the whole time going, like, this is a perfect Planet X film. This oh, is yeah, a planet. Sure. If we were, if we started buying properties <laughs> and adapting them, Blaster Master would be one of the first properties I would turn into a Planet X film. It's, it's a great. I mean, it's a great video game. You're right. The you know the plot is essentially a boy's pet frog gets mutated, jumps on top of a box after like a like, meteorite hits. I feel like. It's just a radioactive box sitting in a swamp, and it okay. the the frog enlarges to like ten times its size, and then sinks in the ground. And the kid jumps in the hole after it, and there's a battle tank, um, and a and like it's a, a jeep. Suit. It's like a it's like a big yeah. jeep with a tank gun on top of it. Yeah, they call it a tank, but it's this very gymnastic vehicle. And then he goes and he fights like stone monsters and stuff and the music is amazing and i was like oh gosh if you gave me and drew 90 minutes and we're like can you guys get a script out of that i'm like i guarantee goddamn to you yeah i think i could write that script in 90 minutes yeah i yeah i think i think i could write it in real time (laughs) (laughs) pretty much writes itself you know what's crazy though i think if you look it up the japanese plot of that game makes a lot more sense it's like um galaxy rangers and it's kind of a tokusatsu thing but i much prefer the american batshit crazy version no it is and in fact that's i look i looked it up because i was curious and yes you're exactly right the japanese has a version has a very classic kind of japanese tech oriented battle thing and that's why you're a guy in a spacesuit driving a tank around the american version is like no, it's uh, it's for kids. You're a little boy, and your pet frog gets irradiated, and you better go murder some aliens underground. I guess. <laughs> By the way, no saves, cause fuck you. That's the best thing. Uh, that's it's the best wild. thing about that NES classic is you can artificially make saves. But anyway, we're not really here to talk about Nintendo games, or we'll go down a hole. Yeah, that's right. We're not here to talk about classic video games and their Americanization. Uh, we take your hypothetical movie title suggestions and we turn them into righteous trash cinema. You provide us with fake movie titles and then uh, we do the rest of the work here at Planet X Studios. Uh, we have a whole bunch of ways you can do that. Uh, you can email us at planetxcinema at gmail.com. You can go to our website, planetxcinema.com and click the submit button at the top. You can leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, if you leave a movie title in your review, we will do it on the show. Um, or if you catch us at one of the public screenings, you can just shout real loud and we'll, uh, we'll write down your, uh, your suggestion and try to do it on the show. Blair, I think you're going to give us a title this week. Do you have one picked out? I do. I have looked at the Planet X uh, potential film title registry. And uh, our title this week comes from Jordan Rinky. Uh, hey, thank Jordan. you very much. Thank you very much, Jordan. And the uh, title uh, this week is Compression. 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 Compression is good. Thank you, Jordan Rinky, for compression. That's very good. Thank you, Jordan. And I like it because um, it sounds like a great name for a righteous trash film, but the title itself isn't goofy. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's good. I mean, like, okay. So mm, it could be about data compression but i think i kind of like taking it really literally and making it about like confined spaces and claustrophobia and like you know what it made constriction me think of? right like getting squeezed to death or something it almost sounds like a hitchcock title like vertigo, does, yeah. right like and so yeah i like that i Ooh, like the idea of we haven't really done like a psychological thriller or a psych yeah. horror film, you know? We could do um, like, I mean, casting's going to get weird, but we could do like a 70s, like, like early canon film. It's about like a killer who crushes his victims. Oh, so you're thinking, you're thinking, I love, okay, Fresh. so you're thinking like almost like a grindhouse film. Well, it just—it's so gruesome, right? I'm imagining yeah. like, like at the end of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they yeah, kill Shredder. Yeah, that's exactly what I just thought of. <laughs> but like dumping him in a trash compactor. Dude, or whatever. we shred- we shredded the villain last episode. We can't we can't do that two weeks in a row. Yeah, that's true. But what I'm thinking is like you get a lot of that imagery of like metal crushing and blood squirting out of it, and 
Lots it's, of good foley work with like celery snapping and I tell you what, for a one word title, it's very evocative. It could be the name of a good film, is what I'm trying to say. Hey, I should ask, is it compression with a C or with a K? With a C. No weird spelling. Okay. No weird spelling, just compression. Compressor. Compression. Okay. Um, um or or could it could it yeah, I like the idea of maybe okay. Okay, well, like the, what if I like I like the idea of a killer that squeezes things to death. That's very visceral. That's a good idea. What 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 were you gonna say? Well, I just thought of like an Iron Maiden, which isn't really compression, it's just sort of like omni stabbing. But if you had <laughs> what if you had an object called the compressor and you like put people into it and it gooified them or something, like it it's it juiced them? Okay. Like that, like that lady who, who got sucked out of the airplane that nobody talks about that I'm still obsessed with. You yes. remember this? Do you remember this shit that happened? I, I do, but only because you're like, hey, nobody else remembers this like nobody every other time I talk to you. So this woman, it was a couple a year ago or something like that. It was amazing. This, this plane, the engine blew up and <laughs> they were able to land it and it was a whole thing. The hero pilot, it was awesome. Everyone survived. Hey, where's the Sully for this story? That's what I want to know. Except one person who, when the engine blew up, the airplane window shattered, and she got sucked halfway out the window. And the plane fucking juiced her. Yeah, dude. It sucked out all her juice through her, like, mouth and whatever. They brought her back inside. Apparently, she was still alive. She died shortly thereafter. Only casualty. And I cannot stop thinking about, like, what if you were on a plane and the person next to you just got fucking juiced by the window? Like... Well, I I think I would probably be excused from work for a few days, you know, while I... wild! That's like... <laughs> <laughs> I think that would, like, permanently tweak my brain. I think I would kind of be a little bit wrong for the rest of my life if I yeah, saw man. that. That plane, uh, like, Jack Lalaned her. <laughs> it, it, it got her vital nutrients from her. Wow. Um, so... I like what you said earlier about the Iron Maiden. Okay, um, the compressor as object. Compressor as object, because here's what it does. Um, it suggests that you go, who owns this compressor? Yeah. Why do they own it, and who uh-huh. are they using it against? And now yeah. you're writing you're writing a psychological horror movie, and that's really fun, right? Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so what I'm thinking is, like, what if we took the puzzle box from Hellraiser and the mm-hmm. Cenobites and their obsession with pleasure stroke pain, pleasure pain. Pain and is pleasure. Pleasure is pain. Yeah. We can show you such. What does he say? He's like, we can show you such this does or whatever. Like it's all very like delicious delights. Oh, so many people are going to listen to this and at me. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I don't know that. Fuck it. I don't watch Hellraiser, but once a year, I'm sorry, everyone. They're great. They're great movies. They're um, very good. The first three are very good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say is what if we took that kind of feeling that like ultra gross horror people being eviscerated and the puzzle box as like a focus mm-hmm. for all of that. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. had a, we had a person and maybe he's like, what I want to do is ground that a little more into more like Henry, the portrait of a serial killer or like, sure. like a, like, yeah, like you're like a psychological thriller, like you said. So what if there's a, there's a person and he has this device and he captures people and puts them in there and compresses them. And he could like, we could go magic with it. Like he's drawing out their blood and it's keeping him young or it's giving him supernatural powers or he's just a fucking psychopath. And he like his weird fetish is crushing people because it doesn't leave anything behind or something. I don't know. Um, well, I, but like, I, I, I like I think, putting the focus on the killer and making the compression the horrifying thing that we have to keep watching. And then you get these great shots of like, if it is an Iron Maiden, like light shooting out behind it and like the cameras quickly like dollying up to it as you hear like, <laughs> yeah, it does. It does in a way remind me of The Keep, the movie that I brought up, the Michael Mann film that I brought up. And by the oh, way, yeah. Both times I brought that up on the show, I said it was made in 93, and it was made in 83. I even flat out knew that the second time I said that. I don't know why that's in my brain, but it was made in 83. So pre-Miami Vice. Way to go, Michael Mann. Um, But yeah, I like the idea of uh, the, the object is the MacGuffin, right? Like, so you don't have to worry about that. Everything is going to center around 
it builds up to and 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 comes down from scenes where people get compressed. So what I'm really interested in is who the compressor is. Okay, right? I have an I have an idea for that, and I know we're not we're not yet to the plot, but I think this is probably how a lot of these movies actually get made, which is like, what's start the hook? somewhere, buddy. All right, what's the hook? So what if there was a guy? Uh, I'm just gonna say a man for now. What if there was a man who? he was in a cave-in accident and he was trapped underground and he couldn't breathe. There was no light. Everybody assumed he was dead. And he went through this horrible experience. And like, maybe it was in a temple or maybe the thing that got him out was he found some weird pagan temple or some shit. And I don't know, maybe we can cut that part out, but he emerges after like weeks underground and he's not the same after that. He's, he's intensely claustrophobic, but he, simultaneously has a fetish with claustrophobia and he becomes a serial killer and his method is he chokes people he binds them he crushes them between mattresses he suffocates them like he compresses them and his favorite tool is this sarcophagus that simulates what it's like I, okay, this is a great idea because he's recreating his own trauma. This yes. is not this is not an unknown trope. In fact, I was kind of upset a few years ago when Kevin Smith made Tusk, and people thought that Tusk was um, overly goofy. And I get mm. where they're coming from in terms of some of the performances and maybe the makeup on the walrus suit. But I love the idea of someone. Re, recreating their own trauma as the basis of a horror film. So I'm 100% on board with that. Mm-hmm. What I'm interested in now, that's a very good premise, is are the victims accumulated in like a house on Haunted Hill kind of way? Or mm-hmm. you, you understand what I'm saying? Is like, like if you got it, you have a great serial killer, but he's location based, right? He's killing within mm-hmm. the. Again, this is not bad. We're going to be able to do this. This is again; these are ideas that I think never really go away. I can think of a lot of old films that do it, but newer films still do this. Split did this, you know, where they the the villain is in one location the whole time. The question is, how do you get your victims in there? Does he kidnap them? Does he lure them in? Is it a Norman Bates thing? How do you get people there? That's well, I think I like okay. So I think wherever he is located right? Wherever his locus is, that's where this sarcophagus Iron Maiden thing is. And I think like he, he maybe doesn't use it for all of his victims, right? Like, some, right. like and we got to figure out like why, like why is he killing these particular people? And, I think I, mean, I, it doesn't have to be super literal, but, but yeah, we can come up with something. I, I think th- the other thing we have to do is figure out who his foil is. And I want to suggest that it's actually like I was going to say, I think in a lesser film, they would have been like the cop coming after him is claustrophobic. But I kind of like the idea that the cop is more like a roguish cowboy, like can't be tied down, freedom loving. Like he has a ranch in Montana. He loves wide open spaces and like he's spacious and like, you know, and then he's put in these scenarios where like he's chasing him through narrow alleyways or they're in a building that's collapsing and his boards fall on him. He feels crushed under the weight and I don't know. There's something, there's something there. I like that. I think it's done in a lot of movies, that character, but this movie, it actually kind of works. I think, I think I have an idea that can actually tie these things together. Okay. Um, What do you got? So let's say that the security, (laughs) I'm sorry, English. Uh, Let's say that the serial killer uh, survived a mining accident. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So a collapsed mine, that's pretty good. Also, that way, if we want to, we can bring in rural characters, whether we use a rural setting or not. Okay. We could set it in another country if we want. Sure. Um, but uh, the mining disaster is very good because, uh, especially if it's a contemporary film, or at least mo- s- s- somewhat contemporary, because that's something that's in the zeitgeist. Unfortunately, there have been a few sure. mining disasters in the last few people trapped underground. Yeah, famously um, in Chile with them actually coming out. Yeah. Um, so there's a few ways you could go with that. I like the idea of the that playing into like a kind of rough rural um, uh, foil for the villain because he could be he could be another survivor um, or mm. the victims could be. 
or the victims could be other survivors, um, not only of that accident, but maybe of other horrific accidents. Um, oh, that's kind of cool. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. Okay, what if, let's do two things. Let's do two things. One. Or is that too close to Saw? Am I getting too close to well, And I don't want to do torture porn necessarily. No, I absolutely don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it. I just, I don't think it's right for this film. I like keeping it more in like a psychological thriller space. But what if it was, okay, one of two things. Do you want to, do you want to go like, well, I'll just pitch you both. Okay, one, one option. And I think we can do both of these. I actually think the second one is a little more compelling. Okay. He's, he's in a mind collapse. He's trapped down there. And he basically is like, he hears them searching for him and he hears them giving up. And he's like, this is it. I'm fucked. And so he like to himself, he's like, God, the devil, whoever, whoever's listening, fucking help me. And yeah, he falls into this forgotten temple or something and decides this God has saved me. And he becomes obsessed with this sort of like dark demonic thing. And then we can play with like, is it supernatural? Is it not? Whatever. Combine that or abandon that and just make it a pure play. He was trapped. He heard them trying to rescue him. They walked away. He was down there for a week or longer. He came out and he is broken. And he becomes obsessed with other people who have survived in intense situations. Like people who are stranded on islands, people who like the sawed off his own arm, right? When the boulder fell on him, like he's interested in the limits of human endurance. And so he kidnapped, like he either finds people that that has happened to and tries to push them to their limits so that he can understand what it is. Or he is just taking ordinary people and going, how far can I compress you before you give up? I want, I want or, to or until you're dead. And then, yeah, now he's got this, like, it is a little bit like saw, right? Cause saw is like, how far are you willing to go and how far will you mutilate yourself? Right. Exactly. This but is like, but I think that's kind of an interesting thing. If like, if he's specifically looking for like, uh, underwater rescue guys who got caught in a sub, you know, the guys who survived Das Boot or whatever. And he's like, I want to talk to you and I want to push you and see how far I can take you. This is really, when I share this, this thing, this is very interesting because, um, and then, Oh, then the cop can be the sole survivor. He can be a guy who survived like a shootout where 30 people died or he was right. He's got like a, he's got like the thousand yard stare. And so he finally like takes an interest in this cop too. Sure. No, absolutely. With what what I, what's interesting about this is that we're actually building a a movie serial killer. Um yeah. yeah. We now when we did How Great Thou Art, which is still one of my favorite movies we did, we set it up as a serial killer movie, but that's really a supernatural horror film. Mm-hmm. Um it we didn't have to make a serial killer because the serial killer was the actual fucking devil. Correct. Um this is sort of interesting to me. I think that it's more fascinating if it's someone who fetishizes what he's putting people through. And he's fascinated by it as opposed to um, maybe targeting specific people. Okay. Or, or, does that, do you, or does that kind of pull the floor out from under the plot? Because, hmm... You know, I'm I'm sorry. I'm second guessing myself now because I'm thinking of how interesting it would be if he picked like child survivors. And the reason I say this is people who survived as children. Like when we were kids, baby Jessica was down in the well, right? Only what was it? This last year you had the young children in the Southeast Asia that were trapped in the cave. Mm-hmm. Thailand. Um, yeah. So what if he targeted people who survived things as small children but his and those are his victims but his foil like you say is an adult survivor Hmm. so we we play it on kind of both levels right the serial killer is is preying on people who have lived a life he doesn't think they deserve because they survived their trauma but a guy who survived the same trauma is going to be the guy that foils him so that's i mean that's kind of the the, what you just said that little thing like he doesn't feel like they deserve it that's the part i want to extract i loved everything you said but i want to pull that one part out because that is literally the plot to the first saw movie where he's like i know and i don't want to do saw no no so check this out check this out there's a couple deaths that happen and we will we'll do these these are going to be really fun uh he crushes people he you know whatever and then 
I think what I what we should do is have somebody who turns up. Well, I want to have I want to have a survivor turn up because I think that's very interesting. I do his, his thing is like a, I mean, look, all the saw torture porn stuff. It all came out of Splatterhouse in the seventies anyway. So like, I do think it's kind of fun to play in that space. Here's the tweak. He yes, he goes and finds people who have survived trauma usually when they were children or young young people right and he's very interested in how it's affected them because he was so deeply affected by being trapped in this mine he tortures them and tries to see he tries to compress them basically he's like i'm going to crush you to the point where you beg me to give up and when you do i'm going to kill you and then there has to be a survivor who made it all the way through does he who's like i didn't give in to him like i i and he turned me on to this whole new philosophy like i'm i'm becoming a cinnabite like i want to crush and destroy people and see what their limits are and then yeah so, the cops like he's he was in a battalion that got wiped out you know he's the last survivor of 50 dudes who just got eviscerated in nom or something and he's like he's got that same thing but he's like no fuck that like i gotta take this guy out oh and then that's when we can have him like in foxholes and stuff i don't know there's something there the killer has to have a way, as all killers and serial killers in films do, though, of attracting his victims. And I think that's something that could be very fun to play with, too. And also something that's important to address because I think too many movies do it the same way. Mm, the way that, okay. and I, I, I think, like, the easiest way to do it is to hand wave it and say that they kidnap them that's as old as time right serial sure, i don't sure, want to sure. do that that's not fun i there are a lot of movies where the serial killer sort of ted bundy's people where he kind of like charms them and then okay sure sure so that's an interesting idea the the thing that's tr- that's giving me a hard time and maybe you can help me kind of suss this out is that it is location based i have to think that he has his home or whatever this warehouse or something set up specifically to do things to people okay how do you lure people to your lair you know what i mean the the, being charming is as old as like dracula right like that's a sure sure that's a thing i don't what i'm trying to figure out what mechanism he uses to and if so and if it can saying, be something that's reflective of his character is what I'm trying to get to. Well, uh, yeah, okay, so good point. Like, is is he the kind of killer who just captures people or lures them into a situation that they would already be in? Like, they work in a junkyard, so he uses the junkyard to kill them. They work in an office, so he has filing cabinets, like, fall over on them. Or right. is he the kind of person who's, like, charming and he convinces them to come back to his place like his his jungle of of his menagerie of torture you know the junkyard is nice as a setting though it's good right like i was thinking like you could drop cars on people you have the garbage compactor you can and it has that giant compressor that they use for cars yeah yeah. you know like that's like the ultimate thing is you could put somebody down in the bottom of it that's always terrified me every time i see one of those things in a movie it scares the living shit out of me fucking horrifying yeah oh it's just awful um I like that. That's good. Hmm. It's a lot of good elements. We need to have a, um, uh, we need to figure out if the, if the hero is going to drive the plot or if the killer is going to drive the plot. And I think kind of what we do, what I, I think would be better is to have the hero maybe drive the plot. Okay. Um, Otherwise, you end up doing a film like Split, which I thought was pretty good, but you're basically just watching the villain be a villain for mm-hmm. two hours or whatever it is. Yep. I'm interested in who this other character is. We're kind of why, like, kind of hand waving him off. Um, the cop, you mean? The cop? Yeah. Is he a cop? Is that what we're going to do? Is he a cop? Is he? Um, is it like one of those things where he's the relative of one of the victims and nobody believes him. And so he's out looking and he's not a cop and he's just sort of the every man. Again, we're, we're using masculine pronouns, but we can go any way we want with it. I mean, it, hmm. it doesn't really matter. 
Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Um, I mean, we could, hmm, he could be a private investigator who's looking for one of the victims. I mean, I kind of like him as a cop because I feel like we can get into some kind of like mind hunter stuff where like they're trying to profile this person and they're trying to put together the pattern. And that, so, that already has like some, some very well trod ground in the police procedural world that we can just piggyback on. Sure, that's your red, that's Red Dragon, right? You're making a Red Yeah, dragon. it's every great serial killer movie, right? Every, it's right. Evan, it's all of them, right? It's um, a killer on the loose, he's got a particular method, let's try to get, let's get inside his head so we can figure out what it is. I heard the most brilliant thing the other day, which was someone said that, um, that they saw Silence of the Lambs too late because they saw other serial killer films that were made after Uh-oh. Silence of the Lambs. Totally. Before yep. they saw Silence of the Lambs, and yep. they were like, Every single thing that you think happens in a serial killer movie in a modern serial killer movie mm-hmm. happens because of Silence of the Lambs. And you go like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. man, that is I mean, it, that it's hyperbole, but it's also pretty spot on. But there's yeah. a lot of people that, that struggle to enjoy like Schwarzenegger films because they grew up with caricatures of Schwarzenegger. Right, exactly. And you go back and watch like Commando and Predator, and they're like, I mean, I like it, but it's kind of corny. And it's like, yeah, but it, it's the prototype. Like, it's the, it did it all. Like, this, yeah, this, this is this is the Model T. It's yeah. cute that you like your Taurus, but this is this is the thing. Um, okay, so getting back to compression. Yes. You know, there's analogs here with frailty. You remember that oh, flick with Bill Paxton? Yeah, that was a really good flick. I really enjoyed. Awesome. It. I like. Also, I like it when they give Bill Paxton a role like that because it just shows how good an actor he is. Was, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he's yeah. fucking great. It's as no, opposed to like bonkers um, it's Bill Paxton, but yeah. Yeah, and like, I don't know. It's like that whole, the title is the thing that carries you throughout. So I like, I like keeping this pretty tight to the title. Like compression is what led the killer to to it's what it's his nexus it's like what created him compression is also his method of killing and then this cop has to be put under pressure to find him as well like i think we need to play a lot with like claustrophobia and stuff i was just Um, gonna say i think the first victim should be somebody who's in a uh, claustrophobia support group cool yeah and i think we can use like we should be in new york we should be in a super dense city i agree uh, we should be in little cars and little alleyways and like we should make the city kind of feel like it's a cavern, right? That we're, that we're moving through. I don't want to be super pretentious about this, but like, you know, no. it should be at night. A lot of it should be indoors. It should be it underlit. Should be, it, it should, should look like dark. all of those great, like it should look like Black Rain and all those awesome like early 80s, like thriller noir films. Um, can I say, I was, I was sitting here thinking about casting, thinking that might be a way to like push us over. Yeah, 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 absolutely. For the cop, what do you think about Roger Moore? Like late career Roger Moore? Oh, wow. So, because I was thinking so rural. That's such an interesting choice. I like it a lot. I was trying to think if there was a guy that had some gravitas that could kind of do like... He might take a movie like that too. Like later in his career, right? He did some weird shit at the end. Like he started doing like weird action movies and some sci-fi and stuff. Like I bet we could... Okay, two he'd things. Be, he'd, be, he'd be an older fella, but I think it could actually work. Two things. I really like the casting. Cool. That's thing one. Thing two, in order to keep it a Planet X film, I think the actual killings have to be really fucking weird. Okay. Because you go like, why is it a Planet X movie? Up until now, what we've done is we've got the skeleton of a really good serial killer movie, basically. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something that goes like, oh, that's too, that's too weird. I have to show that at Planet X. And I think what that has to be is w- one of two things. It's either whoever we cast as the serial killer and it's just a bonkers performance or it's the actual killings themselves. Does that make well, let's sense? Do both. Let's do both, man. Poor Kaylin, no, no lost dose, man. That's right. Uh, like, Over the top of what? Yeah, so if okay, if we do okay, if we do Roger Moore, he did his last Bond movie in '85. He took a five-year break after that before he did anything else. So we could put it '85 to '90, and we can get away with Roger Moore. This is that movie he did, thinking like I'm going to play, I'm going to take really serious, intense roles. But it ended up being this absolutely psychedelic killer movie. Okay, great. I think I'm I'm right there with you. The killer casting has to be over the fucking top. 
Like it has to be lunatic. And then I think we add to that, that like when he kills the guy in the car crusher, he's actually in a, in a chamber below that. And as the blood is spraying down, he's like showering in it and laughing. Like he like, he relishes the kill. And then like, yeah, he, he, Oh, I mean, even that could be part of it. He has to see them be crushed because it's what he's afraid of. So like part of his thing is he's always at the, like he doesn't set up elaborate traps. Like if he crushes you or compresses you, he watches you go and he like fucking loves it. And so then you have these scenes of him like maniacally laughing, like looking directly into camera, like screaming with bug eyes as like people are just like their eyes are popping out and you're hearing their bones crush. And like, I think maybe like that's also a moment that they didn't quite get right. Like maybe that maybe the deaths are a little too horrific and that's why it didn't do very well. But you watch wanna, it now and you're like, man, they fucking went for this. Like, I want to. Okay, I want to. I want to throw a casting decision or a casting um, suggestion for the killer. Hit me you. with it. Sam Kinison. Uh, sorry, one more time that you cut out. S- uh, Sam Kinison. Sam Kinison. Okay, stand-up comedian, right? The loudest freakiest zero to 90 it's a big guy big guy short guy very weird looking very weird proportioned guy he was at one time a minister um in 1986 when did he do back to school he did back to school he was in robocop 2 in 89 okay um so he did films the reason that i pick him is he is the most insane, bombastic, like a fucking lunatic. Yeah, yeah, lunatic. But at the same time, the reason his act was so good was that he could talk at this subdued, soothing. <laughs> I want you to come to the altar, just like my ex-wife. That fucking bitch. You know, that was his whole thing. Was that zero? to 100 thing yeah that's good man like i worry if i was actually making this movie i would worry like can he do horror can he sell horror he was obsessed by rock and roll though and well i mean but i'm gonna take off my like let's think about this realistically hat and think like man if i if i was casting this and i was like in the director chair like fuck yeah i'd put a stand-up comedian in there and then just be like hey dude the lines are all suggestions have fun and well, like and that's I, where this goes into Planet X territory of like in the scene he was supposed to say like how does it feel to be crushed but in real life he's like hey hey look over here yeah it feels good doesn't it like <laughs> yeah well and the other thing is that I didn't think of him because he's a comedian yeah I, yeah I thought who has serial killer range in the eighties and I was like Kennison was in some movies wasn't he he should have had like a that could have been them like and imagine putting him opposite of Roger Moore and go like here's what we're going to do Roger Moore we basically want you to be Batman to this guy's Joker yeah well and like I thought about doing Charles Bronson for the lead but I think and going into like Death Wish territory but I think I like Roger Moore a little better I like Like, Roger Moore better also by that time like Bronson's kind of bogged down doing canon shit isn't deep he just deep into the canon catalog yeah and then we have to do a canon death wish film. movies right like and well, yeah then we have to do a canon film and i like this being like a weird like 20th century fox like or like a yeah, little like no, they thought I, it was a psychological horror film then they got the dailies back and we're like oh my god this gets an x rating what are you doing like but also i was gonna say the nice thing about sam kennison too and this might be kind of a fucked up thing to say because he's a real big guy when we put him in that sarcophagus at the end of the film and compress him Oh. That is going to be insane. Like his jowls, like pushing in on his own face as he, and you know, that's his ultimate horror is to be compressed. Well, and the other thing is that, like, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with Kinnison, but just another, everything about it seemed right to me because when you just look at him and the way he walked around the stage, you go like, Oh, this guy could be nice. Oh, I'm terrified of this guy. Oh, now he's being kind of funny. Now he's just being mean. Like yeah. he kind of, can do all those things it's very good and uh, so that i think that gives us 
but you know, like now the plot kind of comes into focus, right? Because it's, right. we get, we start, the cold open is we watch him crush a guy in the car crusher at the junkyard and he bathes in the blood and he's screaming and laughing and whatever. And <laughs> Doesn't then, he look like a guy who could work at a fucking junkyard? Yeah, dude, he's got the, he just puts his little sideways beret on. He's good to go. Um, <laughs> then I think we like, we cut to, or do we start, should we start with his origin story or do we just start with a kill? We start with a kill, cut on, start on action. Okay. No, then, I, like a, I like a serial killer movie where you learn more about the killer as the movie progresses. Like totally. with each kill, you learn more. Because so like, I like a serial killer that likes to do a little exposition. You give Kennison a monologue, he's going he's gonna to be able to carry that for you. Yeah. So I think, I think what we do is like, we have the first kill, we roll the credits, we come back from the credits, we're on Roger Moore. He's, he is British. So I think maybe there's an opportunity there. I mean, you could just fucking hand wave it and say he's a cop. Nobody's going to fucking care, but do whatever you want to do with that. Right. He's former SAS and now he works in the Brooklyn police department. Doesn't matter. Uh, they start looking into these killings, this like fucking brutal junkyard killing, uh, and then we cut to Sam Kennison. He's abducted his second uh, victim. And this is where we start to get a sense of like, he knows something about this person and like wants to see how much they can endure. He kills them. Now we've got a second killing. A pattern is starting to emerge. Uh, they're looking into it. And then I think I like the idea for like the third or the fourth killing. There's this moment where like they actually stop. They're able to prevent the kill. And I don't, it doesn't really matter what it is. Like it's out somewhere in the world. It's not at his lair. And Sam Kennison gets away and we have a cool like chase scene, like Roger Moore's trying to chase Sam Kennison. Obviously he's a, he's a big fat dude. So he's somehow able to evade him. Uh, and he watches Roger Moore afterwards. Like they, they, he's watching the crime scene, right? He, he puts on like a trench coat and he's standing in the crowd and he's watching Roger Moore. Like, well, who's this guy? Like he seems really driven. So now he's looking into Roger Moore and figures out, oh, he survived when no one else was supposed to survive. He survived like on his own in the jungle for two weeks when the rest of his squad got wiped out. Why don't we do this? Well, well, hold on. Now, Roger Moore has some information. He's like, he is killing people. He's into crushing them. I don't know why, but I've seen him. He's a big guy. And the killer is like, ah, this is a perfect victim for me. This guy is an ultimate survivor. Then in the middle of the film, you take a break and you show Sam Kennison's origin story. And then well, when you come back for the second half of act two, now the chase is on. Okay. Here's what I would like to do. I love all of this. Here's how I would like to get into the film and kind of tie some things together. Okay. I think Roger Moore should be, I, th- I think making him former SAS or whatever, you know, just military. I like something. the idea yeah, that something. he survived a, um, a massacre basically i love that that's great well and then you don't have to explain like why he's good with guns why he can no, no, run no, no, why no. he's it's all okay he was a soldier we're done and you don't have to explain why he's resourceful because what i would like for it to be is that he's actually retired he is just former military and oh, 19, cool. he's old enough at that point that you could just say he, he's like i'm out you know i'm out he retired to america yeah and he has he runs a bookshop you know, like he's, or something, you know what I mean? He has a normal, just like a hobby job. He's okay. fine. Okay. But I think the first victim, and, and we don't know this when we see it, I like the idea of the first victim being somebody who is kidnapped from a, uh, like a support group um, for like claustrophobic people. I think okay. that's really interesting. Um, and I think that person can be like his daughter. Cause, and that's what puts him on the, case um and then some so, well I, I know you're shrugging it off but it's like no, I'm, yeah. I, I, what i'm getting at is i like the type of movie where the second person dies and roger moore goes to the police and he's a very instead of being a teenage movie where he's like uh, it, it, te- the, the, the adults never believe the teens right in a slasher film but in a movie like this he could be like this this person was killed uh, or was was taken from the same area that my daughter was taken in, and this there are some very alarming similarities here. And the cops kind of give him the sort of like, "We're the police, sir. We respect you very much, but we're handling this." And they're not handling it, sure. and so it becomes. I don't know, or, or is that too much a revenge picture? Am I changing the movie too much? Yeah, I don't want to do. I don't want to do a lady in the fridge. 
Okay. I, mean, I don't. I don't want to have a, a character just killed. So. That oh, they, fair enough. Jeez, man. Like, fair enough. God, no, I it's just it's just a trope, and it, it it's a trope for a reason. Like it's it's really easy to tell stories in that space, but it's just lazy storytelling, and it doesn't work. Then so like, I think I, like. How do I mean, how do we want to get him on to the case? I mean, well, look, I don't I don't hate the idea that he's like retired SAS. I think that's cool. Like he's not a cop, right? He has this training, and we can even say he was like a scout, right? Like he hunted people. This is what he does. Like sure, and he's retired to America. Uh, and yeah, I think give him something that is is visually interesting and that might relate to the killer. So the first thing I thought of is like he's a sculptor. He works in clay. He has lots of like heavy rocks laying around. He has hammers, right? This is he's very got, good. He's got That's like, very good, Drew. That's and then very he's got like, good. thank you. Yeah, he's got like a nice New York loft where he like does his little sculptures and like, you know, one of them almost falls on him and it shatters and somebody's like, oh God, sorry. And he's like, you could have been caught under that. Like you get these like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I got you. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's- hey, we're having fun, whatever. It's very I don't, good. But maybe it's not his, you know, his daughter that's killed. It could be like... Like it could be a gallery owner or something that he's going to have a show in, or I don't know. Like it's hard to draw that character in, but I think like he witnesses one of these murders and, or he witnesses the aftermath of one. And then, yeah, maybe he's brought in for questioning. Oh, that's kind of interesting. And then like, and then yeah, yeah, the cops, the cops are like, well, what did you see? And he tells them and they're like, all right, well, okay. there's nothing we can do. And he's like, I'm telling you, this guy did this, 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 and this. I noticed this detail and this. Like, this is the kind of person you're dealing okay. with. I've dealt with psychopaths before. And they're like, let us do our job. And he's like, he's going to kill again. Like, I'm sorry, but it's going to happen. Like, what? Okay, so oh, dude, oh, holy shit, hold, sorry, sorry. I know you want to say something, but like, what if he then breaks into the crime scene and does his own investigation? Well, no, I think, I mean, I think that, tracks no i think that's great um what i was gonna say is that i keep coming up with like okay what kind of people would kennison target and one that i thought of is if he saw a really horrible head-on collision two cars completely compressed right and so he goes yeah i want one of those people they're trapped in the car what if roger moore saw him pull somebody out of like a car accident like that and Jeez, drag him away. And then the cops are there and he's a person of interest. And he's like, oh, I saw this guy. He's like five foot two. Carry, carry the person that you're looking for away. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well we'll put, we'll put an APB out or something. And he's like, there's something that just doesn't feel right about it. Or there's something. I'm trying to think okay, of, a- no, 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 that's super good, dude. Let's do it. So he's okay. He's in his studio he hears car crash outside. He runs to the window and he sees a body being hauled out and dragged away somehow inexplicably before the crowd of people can gather. Right. And he's like, what the fuck? So he runs down there. By the time he gets down there, a crowd has gathered. He waits around the cops show up. Nobody saw anything except him. And he's like, Oh, actually maybe the, maybe the car wreck itself was staged. That's what I was going to say. Maybe like, Kinson okay. like cuts the brakes. Or- yeah, he has like a button. We see like Roger Moore sees something where he's like watching and he's like fascinated by it. He runs away. Yeah, he tells the cops they don't believe him. So after they clean everything up, he goes down to the street and is like, all right, time to put on my SAS scout hat. He goes digging around in the alleyway where he was, like whatever. He finds some kind of clue and it leads him to this guy's home. And when he gets there, I guess the guy's really cagey or something, but they see each other and he, you know, he plays it off like, Oh, I must have the wrong house or whatever. But now he knows for sure. That's the fucking guy he saw. And that guy's like, who the hell was that guy? So now they're looking into each other. And then this is where you get this cat and mouse thing where Mm -hmm. he starts trying to chase him to the different murders. The murderers keep happening. Now the murderer starts pursuing him. He tries to kill him in his studio. Now he's got to get revenge. We do the scene where he goes and gets the old duffel bag with his SAS shit in it. And is like, I know where this fucker lives. I'm taking him out. Then he's in his house of horrors and the guy's trying to crush him and compress him. In the end, Roger Moore throws him in the iron maiden, juices him and we're done. Oh, that's so good. That fucking works. I like that. I liked making him a civilian. That was a great suggestion. And also, cutting out all the bullshit to get him to the first crime scene. Just have it happen outside his window. I, th- I like that. That no, was really I think good work, man. Yeah. No, that's, that's very good. And now, now we've got a film that, that's, that's absolutely a Planet X film. Yeah, dude. Weird film. 86, 87. I think we put it in those years. So we, we can, we can snag Roger Moore. 
Uh, it has that great mid eighties, um, uh, just dark, depressing. <laughs> yeah, it feels a little like, bit like Death Wish. It feels a little bit like uh, like uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer or uh, you know Manhunt. Yeah, it 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 would have the same vibe uh, visually as some of the better canon action films right yeah totally totally you know we were talking about cobra cobra kind of has that vibe where it's just dark (laughs) and sinister and you know yeah it's either one of like the good the good dark ones where you're like man this looks a lot better than this movie is or it's the other (laughs) end where it's like well i can see why they thought this was a good movie but it just looks like trash (laughs) yeah it's like it's uh, but I think I think the dividing line is um, we shot night for night, not day for night. Like that's that's <laughs> you know like one of those things that pops up in that era of films that you go like, oh, day for night. Yeah. Uh, uh, y'all tried to save some money, huh? <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> tried to get you a star. Um, do you want to do any other casting? Do you think it's important to have any of the victims or a police officer? Is there someone that you'd like to just uh, randomly? I mentioned Charlie. I mentioned Charles Bronson. I think we could throw him. In there is like a, is like a schlubby cop that doesn't believe him. <laughs> it's just like, hey, buddy. buddy. Yeah, he's like the cop from the, uh, not yeah. the cop from the Simps- Simpsons, but the the hey buddy guy from the yeah. Simpsons. Hey buddy, you just go home. We're gonna handle this. Um, don't worry. <laughs> I don't know. If fucking do it, but I don't think I don't think we have to that much though. I think mid eighties. It's I think it, it it actually it has some slasher movie elements, like. I think it could be really fun, like this group of victims, and you know who knows who plays your victims. Like Jesus, look at slasher movies. It could be. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna be a bunch of weird New York character actors that yeah, and you know, maybe one of them is a is a star before they're a star or something. So yeah, yeah. no, I'm really I'm really pleased with that. I um no, I wouldn't I think that's be great. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the sort of film where they get um a band to do a song for the credits but it would be that's that's a tricky soundtrack cast um because you kind of want it to sound like goblin right you want it to kind of be like a giallo type yeah i think it's orchestrated band i don't think you can have pop songs in a movie like because when, when do you play that song it's only it's only over the credits no that's what i mean it would and it's only, only specifically over the closing credits because over the opening credits you want something kind of ominous to set them. exactly yeah I think, I think it's an original soundtrack i think it's scored uh, i think it can be a lot of like wailing saxophones if you want to go that way it could yeah. be. It could be. We're gonna, we're gonna Tim. Too. We're gonna Tim Capello a little bit of this movie. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Get Timmy Capello in there. Give him a credit. I like that. That's that's <laughs> that's pretty good. I. Uh, I so there you go. That that is compression. That's compression. A good title. An excellent Very suggestion. Good title. And we. Very that's good. a good one. We haven't done like a grim one in a while. That felt good. I felt no, good that, crush, crushing those people up. <laughs> it felt good crushing those people up. And I like that there's two people cast in that film. You got one and I got the other. So I feel yeah, nice about An unlikely nice. duo too. I think they would have had a lot of fun on set together. <laughs> you know what? Like, I think it might have worked. I don't want to yeah. get too into this until we get to the trashies at the end of the year. But that's a duo that might have worked on stage. For so. sure, man. No, I think that's great. That's, um, I think that ties a bow on compression though. Yeah, thanks, Jordan Rinky, for that title suggestion. If Thank you uh, very much, Jordan. We really appreciate that. If you, like Jordan, have a title, uh, send it to us, planetxcinema.gmail.com. Visit our website, click the submit button, leave us a review in iTunes. If you put a title in there, we will 100% do it on the podcast. Uh, but we do all of this in support of our live screenings, which are always free and happen every final Friday at Kunstler Brewing in San Antonio, Texas. Our next screening is February 22nd. We're showing The Giver. Uh, which is an awesome American adaptation of a Japanese manga and anime, tokusatsu film, Uh, lots of monsters. If you want to see kind of a bloody, weird, more sci-fi horror version of Power Rangers, you cannot do worse than MacGyver. Um, After that, March 29th, we're showing The Gate, a seminal 80s uh, horror film with kids. And then on April 26th, we're back again with Hard Boiled, the greatest action film ever. The greatest action film ever made. 
in my humble opinion. I'm very, um, very, I'm very, very excited about all the upcoming screenings. And um, if you ever get confused about when a screening is or uh, you don't know where it's going to be, all that stuff is always on planetxcinema.com or you can uh, check out our Facebook page as well. We're on all the shits, as our friend Danny Edwards likes to say. Yeah, find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook, connect with other trashies, uh, send us movie suggestions, uh, not, not just titles, but movies you want to see at the live screenings. Uh, bug us, ask us questions, tell us little bits of trivia. We love all that kind of stuff. That's why we do this. Um, let's see. Uh, want to do a little housekeeping? Yeah, let's do some housekeeping and get the fudge out of here. I want to thank Brian Ahrens for our voiceover work at the top of the episode. If you're interested in voiceover work, get in touch with Brian at brianahrensvo.com. I would like to thank the band Pinko for the use of their song Oedipus Sex. That's our theme music. And you can check Pinko out on uh, Bandcamp. Uh, that song is on their self-titled album, but they have a whole lot of music and I highly recommend you check them out. They're a very, very good band. All right. Well, I have been uh, Drew Hicks. Uh, I remain Blair Hicks and the search for Planet X continues. Stop, 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 stop,